Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And this week, we, we've been a busy two weeks the last couple of weeks we were in uh, brisbane together for the first time in seven months and uh last week we were all together at the adelaide fringe <laughs> it's a bit weird seeing you guys in person it's kind of strange yeah two weekends in a row it's kind of crazy Absolutely. <laughs> so what, how did you guys think a long time yeah <laughs> what do you guys think of the fringe show oh well i loved it it was so much fun i couldn't believe that we actually pulled off a comedy gig goodness gracious <laughs> it was classic like, we it was don't, i don't even think we're funny no, there was such a good so. energy though. There was so much good like feedback vibe coming back from the audience that it just made it really fun. Yeah, it helped that it was sold out and uh, it was a sold out audience. So thank you for everybody who you know, showed up and came out uh, in Adelaide Fringe. That was fantastic. We had a great time and uh, I know that a lot of you did too as well. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, this um, this week's episode is going to be a little bit different because I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about food stuff, but I thought we want to add another component in terms of wellness. I mean, where are the wellness guys? One of the wellness things that we forget to talk about or even think about is about our finance and our money. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think it's a big one. It's one that uh, I think is such a chronic stressor that, that has such a huge impact on so many of the people in our society um, because it's one that just sticks around that often people will be concerned about um, not just for a week or a month or a year, but sometimes even over their whole lifetime, this will be a stressor that can just be sort of festering away in the background, causing people health problems. Um, and often it's, they don't even realize that it is. It's that anxiety that, uh, you know, that kind of the knot that's in your tummy about the finances because you're not really sure where you're at. So, you know, often people go to sleep worrying about where the next dollar is going to come from or how they're going to pay a bill. And that in itself actually does create a bucket load of stress, like truckloads of stress. And mm. in ill health, of course. Yeah, we, we talked about how stress affects us in the previous episode and obviously all of that comes into play and, it, and it's chronic. It's just continual one thing after another and it's every day in their mind. But more importantly too, I find that um, I see in my my practice a lot is when when money or finance comes into play is that it affects the relationship as well at home um, you know with it between husband and wives and it really can create a, a friction between that relationship over time and that can affect the family balance it can affect you know the way you you deal with your kids or you're short with the kids and that affects how they grow up too as well mm. For sure. yeah, it just spreads into all, you know, not just your relationships, but your relationships with everybody. Um, so it spreads into all those areas of your life. Mm. And it really sort of unbalances that work-life balance we talk about because, you know, because you're so stressed about money, you got to focus on work and then you forget to live a life. And, uh, you know, and, and the whole time, that just creates a huge um, problem with our health. And that's why we want to spend a whole episode on finances and money. But we want to say this. We're not financial gurus. <laughs> We're not um, definitely not financial advisors of any kind. We're not here giving you any um, financial uh, strategies or <laughs> financial <laughs> advice. Uh, so you must take uh, these ideas with um I don't, I don't think you need to take it with caution, but we're going to give you some. <laughs> I, I do think that our strategies. Don't listen to us. Yeah, no. I think these strategies that we have are really important, and I think they will set you up um, to actually get you moving towards financial wellness. And so our goal is to really move you away from a stressful situation into a healthy situation so that your body and your family and your work uh, balance is all there. So 
let's get started. I think number we have three major points, but I think the first point, uh, Brett, you you brought this up, and I think it's really important. Yeah, I think the most important thing for for finances and where I think a lot of people have a lot of stress with their finances is that they actually just don't know where they're at. You know, a lot of the time when it comes to finances, what's stressing us out as much as anything is what we don't know or what we create as a picture in our head of the reality, which may not even be the reality. Um, So we're often worried about, you know, future expenses or past expenses or bills because we actually just haven't got a proper track of actually where we're at. Um, so, it's pretty simple. I mean, what you need to know really is you need to have a pretty detailed picture of what your income is. Um, you need to have a pretty detailed picture of what your expenses are, right? And that's that's pretty sort of straightforward. But a lot of people don't have that. They don't actually take the time to sit down and work out, well, what is my income? What are my expenses? What can I expect going forwards? Um, and then also figuring out what assets you've got um, and what liabilities you've got because that's going to give you a good idea of you know, that, that whole picture in terms of your, your financial health. Um, and once you've actually sat down, and, and I've got to say that this is something I wasn't very good at for quite a long period of time. Um, you know, as someone who was kind of into health and wellness, you know, I spent a lot of time just focusing on, okay, I just want to make people happy. I just want to get people healthy. Yeah, for and, sure. you know, the money's just going to take care of itself. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to worry about it. Um, and, uh, and, it was stressing me out. Like I was not knowing where I was. I wasn't knowing where the next dollar was going to come in or when the bills were going to come in or, you know, and, and it actually was distracting me away from doing what I do best. Um, and that's when I realized I actually have to sit down and figure out, okay, I actually need to know where I'm at financially so that I can predict, you know, reliably predict what's going to happen in the future and actually feel comfortable about that. Um, and it just takes a huge load of stress off. Um, and allows me to be able to then go back and do what I love doing, which is you know helping people get healthy and focusing on that without that stress in the background the whole time. Mm. So true. And I know Damien, you know you're you're going to be great at this because you failed at accounting, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It just took me two and a half years to pass first year. Oh right. But right. I, uh, you know, just, you know, well, you know, it's interesting. Although I took a long time to get through first year, a lot of those principles they stick with you in terms of you know business sense or you know some of the other things that I do do on, you know on the side. Mm. But uh, I've I've also been in that situation where I've just gone. You know what? I'm a I'm a health practitioner. If I look after people, everything will look after me and I'll all be right. But, you know, that, that just gets you into spots of bother. And now there's people who are listening to this podcast who aren't health practitioners. Uh, they might be salaried workers. They might uh, they might get paid monthly. They might get paid fortnightly. They might get paid weekly. Um, but the, the, across the board, the, the key thing to understand or to keep in mind is that you, you need to actually know how much you've got to spend after all of your expenses have been paid for, so it's it's that it's so it's, it's almost like setting a budget. That's what I suppose is the key thing there. Yeah, and it, it seems like a simple thing, and we all kind of know that that's what we need to do. But like Brett said, we none of us do it. I think most of us don't <laughs> do it. I mean, we know we need to know the income, and we know we need to know the expenses. But you know, for someone like ourselves, I mean, you know, if we're all practitioners and we own our own businesses. It's a little bit tougher than as someone who is in a salary position. And one of the reasons why is because our income is varied. 
from week to week, actually day to day. We have no idea what the, our income is going to be. Uh, we, we might have an estimate, but um, really from a salary point of view, you know exactly what income you're going to have. And um, you really should take a look at your hard truth about what your expenses are going to be for the month. And that, in that sense, it actually is a little bit easier. For those of you who have business, uh, who owns business and runs business, it's a little bit tougher because you don't know that income strategy. So you sort of have to make sure you start to look at averages and, and taking a look at, am I, is everything consistent? Because And we're going to get into this later on if you don't know and keep track of where you are you're going to run into trouble because you don't know when you're actually going down right if you don't follow the trend on a, on a month-to-month basis you you know you could have been going on a downhill slope for six months and had no real idea and by the time six months comes around you know you're in trouble already and uh, it's a bit tougher to dig yourself out of a hole. So you need to kind of monitor and keep track every single day. Just like your health. There's no different when it comes to health in terms of money, isn't it? Like your yeah. health. You don't. You have to keep track of where, where you're at in terms of your health. you got to keep track of um, how, how well you're doing. It's not like just hoping that, you know, if I eat great food and that's it, and know everything's all good. But you still got to make sure you're, you're keeping track that you're doing everything right in terms of your health. So I think money and health is exactly the same thing. Yeah, and it's particularly important when, as Damien said, you've got that variation. So you might have a variance in your income from week to week or for most people, you're going to have a variance in your expenses from week to week or month to month. And so it's really easy if you're not actually keeping a close track of that to think, oh, well, it's just a bad week. You know, next week I'll get back on track. Um, and then you think, oh, it's another bad week. You know, next week I'll get back on track. Before <laughs> you know it, you're, you're well behind the eight ball because you didn't actually have a clear idea of, of where you're at. Um, so it's really that's why it becomes so important over time because, like I said, everyone's going to have a variance in those expenses week to week and month to month. That's just perfectly natural based on you know when the different bills come in and what bills come when. Mm. Um, so it's that that's why it's important to have that look at the big picture and see what's going on. And you know I know there's going to be people out there listening who just think you know sitting down and working out my expenses is like pulling teeth. And and I tend to agree. Like I hate, <laughs> I'm I hate the last it. person <laughs> to, want to sit down and figure out my expenses. But you know what? For for the little bit of pain that you go through, you know, it's kind of like doing burpees at the gym. You know, the little bit of pain you go through at the time, then the rewards you get later on are worth it. Uh, yeah. Because you know, to to actually sit down, you know, that one time or maybe you know on a regular time period, to actually just sit down and work this out, and it does. It's not as hard as you make it out in your head. And it's not as painful as you make it out in your head. You get it done, you get it out of the way, and then you get the rewards for that in the following days, weeks, months, years. You know, the benefit you get is so much bigger than that little bit of pain you have to go through to get there. Yeah. I think facing the truth is the hardest part. Now, I mean, when I first, um, you know, after, after graduation, that first few years, it was like just facing the truth, actually, how much I earned and what my expenses were. It was, it was tough. And I think a lot of people, it's finding it tough to face the truth, like, oh, my God, I am in this situation. But I think that's the first step. It's almost like revealing yourself and go, you know what? You know, you are overweight and we need to do something about it. You know, so that's the only way to move towards action, towards actually changing the pattern. Otherwise, we'll just be continuing living the same life um, over and over again and um, doing the same thing. And I, I think that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number, th- I think that's, th- we know talking about truth on in- income expenses, that's great. But we also need to know, like, the truth about how much you actually earn. Now, we talked a little bit about that before. Like, so most of us, I think, well, we can, I guess there's two different types of people. Some people overestimate what they earn, so they spend more, and uh, and they, they overspend. And I think this is what what's happening in our society is that we sort of in a consumer-driven uh, society, so we want the latest things. We want our um, the latest iPhone or the latest um, PC, God forbid. Um, 
just joking. I just have to throw it in there. But um, you know, <laughs> the other side of it is that people underestimate how much they uh, their earning potential because, and we're going to talk about that in the next point that um, that you can actually create more income than you actually think you can. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Damon, you kind of mentioned this about how people sometimes can overestimate they earned. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you have a really good week. You might have done a little bit of extra overtime or, you know, in our case, we might have seen a few extra people or uh, in, in many other people's cases, they might have sold a few extra things or got some extra commission or something. And so then, you, you then you've set your bar higher. And so the conversation then around your income with, you know, your significant others or the other people around you, your mates or whatever, if you talk about your income with your mates, um, can in fact be a little bit hyperinflated. So you actually start to talk yourself into having earned more. So you then subsequently, if you haven't got a good savings plan in place, you'll then go and spend more money than what you're actually making because the following week may or may not be as good as what that previous week was. Mm. So your prediction or your, I suppose, your overinflated idea of what you actually do earn can actually get you into trouble. And and I've been in that situation before. I've had some ripper weeks when I first started out in naturopathy uh, and then again in chiropractic. Go on and set up my budget based on those weeks and then just, you know, totally overspent. And then, you know, you find yourself chasing your tail for the next couple of months. It's mm. it's a bit tough. I think this happens a lot when, when people get their bonuses, especially, you know, at the end of the year or Christmas bonus. And they think, yep, yep. oh, I got this, you know, say, you know, we'll just make a random number. Say I got $2,000 extra bonus. And all of a sudden they go, great, let's spend it. And then, you know, they move the, that line to think, I've now my budget, uh, my income is now extra $2,000 a year. But yet, you know, you're not going to get that bonus every single year, especially, you know, right now in this in, in the economy that we're in now. Not every company is actually giving out bonuses. And that could be a huge problem. Yeah, I think if you look at it on the grand scale, you know, the classic example of this is the lottery winners. You know, mm. the those percentages of lottery winners who end up broke four or five years later, I mean, it's something like 80%, I remember reading one time. I mean, it, really? it's outrageous. It's massive, yeah. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable, but it's it's that concept it's of all of a sudden having a huge amount of money. And so what you do is you increase your spending by, by such a huge amount that it's just not sustainable. Um, and obviously, that's the extreme end of the spectrum. But I think that's what Damien's talking about on a much smaller scale happens when you get that bonus or you have that ripping week is that you just increase the expenses more than you're able to deal with on a longer term basis. Hmm. I think I think it proves the point though is that it's not about how much money you make um, that makes you rich. It's actually how you spend that money or how you save that money that actually makes a difference. Like, like you said, you can mil- win a million dollars tomorrow and most of the like, percentage shows that you will come back to where you are at the moment because you spend the same type, you know, percentage-wise, you spend the exact same way as you currently do. And people who are, I think, the, the the millionaires who actually keep their money in terms of when they win their lotto is those people who actually were in a saving mode to begin with. Yeah. You know, so. And, you know, it's interesting. I said to you guys earlier, you know, I've been listening to a bit of uh, audio and, and reading a few books recently on, you know, financial stuff. And that is the one thing that comes through from every single financial expert. You know, basically every person who's been there and done it in terms of, working out their finances, you know, getting rich, getting successful in, you know, whatever that meant to them, was that they understood that it wasn't about how much money you made, it was it was the ratio between how much you made and how much you spent that made all the difference, regardless of what the income was. Yeah. 
I guess in terms of health, it's the same thing. It's, it's about our habits that we develop each and every single day. You know, sure, you might have a bad month and just, you know, go on holidays or whatever. But if you have great habits to begin with, most likely you're going to go right back to the lifestyle and the wellness and the health that you had before you went on that holiday and had a binge fest, you know. Mm. But if you were terrible to begin with and you go on a sort of a, a 30-day challenge and change your health habits at that time and all of a sudden, guess what? It's not going to stick because you don't have you actually haven't developed great habits to begin with. And so it comes down to, 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 to the habits of your, your money and your health. So let's yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's just it's a great point. And often we, you know, we, we forget or we stay motivated by something. And so we can actually go and... Uh, be motivated to buy a new television or be motivated to get $10,000 in the bank or to be motivated to put petrol in, the, in our car. But again, it comes back to your inspiration. What are you doing all this for? You know, why are you getting up in the morning? What What is it that floats your boat? Same reason why you'd actually change your health or you would um, make better decisions, all those sorts of things. So that's it, it, it raises a great point there, LT, that it's your inspiration again that actually takes it all um, and puts it into perspective for you. Mm. Well, I think now that you we, we sort of take a hard look at where we're at uh, and you face the truth and w- w- what your current situation is and you know exactly sort of what your income is, you know what your, you know, typical expenses, you know, you have your mortgage or your rent, um, your car expenses, those are, you know, those are sort of fixed expenses that are going to be there. Once you've sort of, um, once you know that, now you got to figure out, okay, like you said, Damo, we got to figure out where our goals are. Where do we want to be in you know two years or three years time? But I think people forget that they can actually um, provide um, or I guess create more income than they actually are currently earning. Even if you're a salary worker, I mean, for those people who run a business, that's easy. You know, you you, you got to try different strategies. You you market your business better. You create more value to the people um, that you serve, and uh, usually that will increase in terms of the value that comes back to you. But I think when you when you're if you're a salary worker, there's no reason why you can't create more value to your company or create more value to your employer. I often find that there are a lot of people if they're if they're salary workers that they, that they actually waiting for the employer to tell them what to do um, or to you know take on the extra work or give them a pay raise instead what we what you can do is take it under your responsibility and take it your your own back and say what can i do to add value to this company so that they see me as valuable uh, as part of the company and then when the employer sees you as a value asset to the team Every, any employer, I mean, I would, if I see one of my employees step up and they do more than what they're asked of, you know, their job titles or job duties, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to notice that. And there's going to be definitely some uh, movement, improve, uh, you know, pay raise or um, uh, there's going to be, you know, movement within the company uh, for that particular person because you know, you know that they're a star. So what I'm suggesting is be a star, add value to your company, uh, no mm-hmm. matter what type of job you are. And I can just see Lawrence's employees listening to this podcast. They're going to be knocking his door down on Wednesday yeah, and just going, yeah, hey, Lawrence. <laughs> I, I can't wait. You said on your podcast. But you, you know said. what? The thing about that is that if they do that, then Lawrence is going to be happy because yeah. it means that they're actually going to be going out there going, okay, how can I give more value? And so the fact that they're giving more value means that it's a win-win because Lawrence is going to be getting more for his business. So he's going to be happy to do that. So it's, yeah. you know, that's what you've got to be looking for is that win-win, which is just a great opportunity for both of you to do better. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And the clients are the one who wins out at the end, right? Because yeah. they're adding value to the business, which is the business going to serve them, creating more value to the clients. And that's the whole point. And this is, you know, and we could be in a win-win situation in every company. And so I hate, you know, one of the things that I, I really dislike is when you walk into a restaurant or a shop and the person who's serving you is they'd have no care in the world. 
you know, for you or even their job. They just want to be there because they're collecting money uh, on a week-to-week basis. And it's sad because, I'll, yep. you know, if this person just put some emphasis into their, their and put some love and passion into their life, they could, you know, they're they're winning because they're getting treated better, <laughs> right? And, yep. so, and the customer wins because they're getting treated better and they're going to build a relationship over time. You're going to want to go back. And that's what, you know, especially when it comes to restaurants. Yeah, and you know, even even if your current employer doesn't see the value in that, like even if they, you know, you do this amazing job and add extra value to them, and and they don't see the value, and you don't get the benefit from them, you, you're going to be learning new skills. You're going to be upskilling yourself, and actually giving putting yourself in the position where maybe another employee comes in and goes, or another employer comes in and says, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Do you want to come work for me?" Yeah. Or, or you're going to be learning the skills that are going to actually enable you to go and find another job and and move up the the ladder that way. So you know, even if your current employer isn't the sort of person who's going to jump at it, you're going to benefit anyway because you're going to learn new stuff that's going to enable you to earn more later on. That's such a great point, Brad. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm an, as an employer, I'm looking for star players all the time. Like you know, wherever I'm going, if I happen to see it in, as a waitress, you know, or someone who's serving me at a customer service at you know maybe a car rental place, and they're really great service, I'm like, man, that's you know that person is going to go somewhere, no matter. You know, even if it's in this job or another job, that's what you look yeah. for. And that's what we're looking for every time I interview. I don't even bother with resumes, really. Like, I mean, people send them to me, but I don't really look for the, re- I mean, resumes, you can lie. I look for the personality. How do they, how are they interacting with me when they first meet me? And how's the conversation going? Because you can tell a lot by a person on how passionate about life in general they are. And that's how we can pick stars. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even do like uh, resumes anymore. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put out for an employer if I wanted to find someone new for the practice. It's, it's always somebody I already know, somebody who I've already seen do a great job. Uh, you know, whatever job they're in, I've, I've actually seen them in action doing it, being passionate, giving value, mm-hmm. and, and so I look, I'm constantly look, keeping an eye out for those people, and I've kind of in my head got a little list of people where I'm like, okay, if ever I need someone, I know I can go there. Because, because that's what you want. You want that value. Hmm. A great book on this, by the way, just on top of my head, is uh, by Seth Godin called Lynchpin. And he talks just exactly the same point. Don't wait for the employer to tell you what to do. Just be yourself and start adding value because you're all talented in something. You're all great at something. You just got to find that talent and, and leverage it. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be other people out there saying, hey, do you know what? I love my job. I'm I'm really happy doing exactly what I do now. I don't necessarily, you know, want to move up the pecking order. I, I'm happy with my income. I'm happy with all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, for them, the other way really of increasing your income is then by saving, as we mentioned before, is by actually putting a little bit aside every week, every month, every fortnight, however, however often it is you get paid, putting a little bit aside which then starts to build and starts to create passive income which is income that you don't actually have to work for. The money makes money all by itself. Um, so, you know, we spoke before about the habits. I think getting in the habit of putting that little bit aside and creating some passive income is another way to start building the amount you're making each and every week. I believe saving is probably the number one thing that everybody needs to start doing it as one of the first habits to develop. I mean, we all talk about investing, you know, investing in real estate and stocks. Before investing really should be, you should start saving. It's almost like investing is almost like high school, university, and saving is like your primary school. Like it's a habit that you need to learn first before you actually invest. How can you invest in something when you don't have the money to invest in? Know, and we kind of use credits to, to kind of buy to go invest and that's a really terrible way to do it um, I think one of the th- one of the best ways to save is actually I mean let's think about this though if you're 
it financially stressed most of the time is because you don't actually have um, money sort of there or cash on hand that you're readily available and I think one of the best things to do what happens if you actually had and just think about this what happened if you had three months worth of your salary saved up in a bank account that you haven't touched in cash that you have access to at any time now how how much level of stress would you be under if say you have a dive in terms of you know if you were had your own business and you had you know something happened um, you know something tragic happened all of a sudden your practice just died or went in like by half you have that buffer you know that you know you have at least three months of savings in cash that's ready to go that you can actually utilize if you needed to so your stress levels is going to be much um much more maintained and the level of health is going to be there i mean you're going to be a little bit stressed but not as stressed as someone who doesn't have anything because they don't know when the next uh, money's going to come in to, to, to pay, pay the next bill so i think it's having that buffer for me personally to save on a regular basis and i, I suggest my suggestion is 10 percent. i mean have you how many of you have ever uh, been to church for example and they always say you know uh, put 10 percent in of your income to to give to charity and the reason why they say 10 percent um this comes from uh, john d martini he said 10% is because most of us are okay with 10%. 11, 12% just becomes a little bit too much or uncomfortable. But anything about 10 or less, we're comfortable with that. You know, it's okay. It's not that much, so you're willing to do it. So that's why they suggest is 10% of your, of your income before your taxes, you take that money and put it into a bank account somewhere, never touch it, and save up at least up to three months' worth of cash over time. And that's what my suggestion is. And that's a great way to start in terms of alleviating some of the financial stress that you might be under. Yeah. And I, I think as soon as you say that, Lawrence, some people are probably freaked out and just said, oh, my God, 10%. There's no mm. way I can do that right now. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to, to let people know that, look, if you don't feel like you can do 10% right now, do 5%. Do 1%. You know, put aside a dollar a week. Like, it's, it's about creating that habit. And once you create that habit, then it's easy to, over time, gradually increase that habit as well. It gets easier and easier and easier as you start to, you know, like any habit, anytime you're making a lifestyle change, a health change, it, it's getting started is always the hardest bit. And once you're started, then maintaining that is just a, a whole lot easier. So, you, you know, it doesn't have to be 10% to start with. Yeah, I, th I think, yeah, if you can't do 10, do 5. You'd be surprised that how, where money actually comes from when you start saving just 5% or 10% somewhere. You will, yeah. you, it will come. You, you, all your bills will be paid somehow, <laughs> magically yeah. somehow, and you won't miss that 10, 5, 10%. And if you, but the, here's the key though. If you're going to save 10%, it doesn't mean you increase your expenses, right? You got to maintain or lower your expenses, the current lifestyle until that saving is there. Okay. So don't change your expenses just because you have this extra cash uh, sitting somewhere. Okay. <laughs> it's meant to be cash, never to be used. Um, it's, you know, just, it's something there for you mentally, psychologically to have it as a buffer. So I think that the third and final, oh, well, actually, I have two more points quickly. I think the third point <laughs> is is finding a mentor. Brett, you mentioned you've been reading a lot of books at the moment and uh, finding a mentor. Um, Damien, I'm sure you've had some financial mentors uh, in the oh, past. Yeah. Um, do you want to list some of the people that you guys have you know, read or listened to to, to kind of help you know, some of our listeners, listeners to you know, kind of check up on? Yeah, sure. Yep, sure. There's some great stuff out there. I mean, one of my favorite books, and probably a lot of the listeners have seen or read this book, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of one of the classics. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he's been around for, for quite a while. Uh, it's a great book. It's just, you know, the real basics. It's really easy to read and understand, and, and I've found that to be fantastic. Um, 
One of the, the other one, um, there's a guy by the name of T. Harv Ecker. I think it actually stands for The Harv Ecker, which I find oh, kind yeah. of funny. It is The and Harv Ecker. The Harv Ecker. And, and he's just got a great little model, which is he calls his JAR system, which is around just, you know, what percentages of money to put where so that you can actually create that saving habit. Um, and that's a really good way of looking at it, I think. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of others I've been listening to, but but I think those two are probably the two the best ones, the key ones to get started. Damon? Yeah, no, look, I, I, um, I, the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, I definitely love that. I thought it was fantastic. I did the John Demartini uh, financial seminar uh, series that he also put on, and that was absolutely gold for me. And he actually originally he started. Well, he initially started speaking about putting away 5% because it's it's not uncomfortable at all to put 5% away mm. and then work up to that 10% uh, point. So, you know, do 5%, then get to 6%, then get to 7%, and then 8%, and just chunk it up bit by bit. And uh, and that was really good for me. That that really helped me out a lot uh, when I was going through some tough times, and it was, it was excellent. I really loved that. Um, I've really uh, enjoyed Robert Kiyosaki's. Uh, there's there's a, a book, Why We Want You to Be Rich. He wrote it. Um, with Donald, uh, Trump. Donald Trump, yeah, and it's uh, it's a ripper book. Like I really, I, I just I took I took lots of little bits and pieces out of it. But I've had lots of great conversations with people who have who have uh, not necessarily made truckloads of cash, but uh, have have done very very well and have set themselves up very very well. But mainly through working hard, and they're the sort of people that are my mentors. And uh, you know, people like Brian Kelly, for example, you know, who is the head of the chiropractic college Life West in in the US. What a great mentor to have! Um, you know, I've I've had great chats with him about those sorts of things, and mm. you just got to find someone that you can hook in and link in with. And ULT, I've had some great conversations with you about what I should do with my finances. That's yeah, great. Thank you. Well, I think one of the things is that finding a mentor is is important because you, it's someone you can kind of bounce questions off. Um, because when you're when you're stuck on something, it's good to have some trust in there that you know you're reviewing. I mean, finance is hard to talk about, you know, because it's so, so, so something so personal, personal, uh, personal. Sorry. And so I think it's it's really good to have someone to talk about. But for me personally, Robert Kiyosaki, if you can get a hold of the game Cash Flow. You should play it. It's a great game and it's a great learning beginnings uh, of. I remember playing that when I was in university, and that really sort of set my mind uh, before I actually graduated. And that's a, a good, really, really good start. So cash flow is fantastic. So make sure you go and get that. The T. Parker book is called Secret of Secrets of the Millionaire Millionaire Mind, I believe, and that's uh, that's the book that you should check out. That's a, a really um, just an in, insightful book on, on actually how you save. And Demartini's book, I can't remember exact the title, but it's something to do with how to make a hell of a profit while still, still go to heaven. Guy. No, still go to heaven or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. Should, you can get that book uh, if you can't want to attend one of his seminars. So definitely check that out. Um, the fourth point here I want to make is that you have to have regular checkups. Like just like you do in a chiropractic sure. practice, uh, you have check, um, you know, just like you do for your regular health. You gotta have checkups on on on, on your financial goals and, and your targets, you know. And I, I suggest you know look at it from a monthly perspective. You keep on target to look at exactly what's going on in your life and see if you're on target or off target. Because if you don't know, you you don't know, and uh, you're gonna run to trouble. And going back to that first point of you know knowing where you are, you need to know where you are on 
on a month-to-month basis personally i believe because once you know that then it's a good way to kind of say all right this month i need to do this or i need to do that and you won't be able to change and modify unless you sort of know where you're at and what the trends are and um it's not you know it's almost like looking at the stock market i guess but it's looking at your financial well-being and my my goal is, is it's not, you know, you know, Damien, you mentioned that, you know, not all your mentors have to be, you know, super rich. I don't think you have to be. I don't think all of our goals are to be super rich. I think no. our goals is to make sure that we are healthy and well. And mm. finances just happen to be one of those areas that we need to get a handle on. Because if we don't get a handle on those areas, our health is going to suffer. You know, and it could it's going to ment- cause mental stress, and that mental stress is going to cause a whole bunch of emotional stuff that goes on in your body, and then the emotional stuff is going to st- create a whole bunch of physical manifestation in terms of disease and illness, and that's not what we want. And it just goes, you know, this whole cycle is going to continue, and that's why we want to try to help you out in this podcast to kind of break you out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to finish on the point that. Uh, just like getting a regular checkup from a chiropractor, you know, in terms of your money, going and seeing a professional is a really good idea. I mean, you don't want to just listen to the advice you've got from the wellness guys because we we aren't financial professionals. <laughs> not financial <laughs> advisors. We're definitely not financial advisors. So you do want to, you know, get a regular checkup with a professional who can actually help you go through the nitty gritty of your individual situation. And and I think we'll probably get some people on in the future for some interviews who can help us, you know, go into a bit more depth, perhaps who are financial experts too um, but you know but spend some time with an expert who can really help you work on your individual situation because everyone's different too yeah find an expert that is actually financially better off than you that's probably yeah, the best advice that's I can give you. That is <laughs> well that's a great episode guys and I uh, hope all of you enjoyed that and uh, you know so much information there but I think it's really kind of changing the mindset and the habits of your financial ability that's going to create the financial well-being that's uh, for you and your family. So as always, join us each week on the wellnessguys.com website. Leave your comments below this particular episode and tell us what you think. You know, Make sure you like us on Facebook. It's going crazy on Facebook right now. So uh, we're updating uh, on a regular basis and uh, you get to find out a little bit more about us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Sign up for the notice of each episode and make sure you download us on iTunes. We'd love to see us uh, crack the beat Rob Wolf and the United States iTunes account <laughs> rankings someday. Uh, until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show.